Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. It's not often I get to talk to people who really want to get to the root, if you will, the causal nature of why we behave the way we do and can translate that into a business model. The why behind why we do things, we're all unique, how we behave and how to translate that into a business model. Uh, so I turned to two gentlemen in this space called risk, resilience and security to understand the, the, the core of who they are and why they do what they do. And we can get into the nature of my seminal question here at the beginning of the great conversation. I wanna welcome the founder and president of Arcadia Cognorati and his senior VP, Brian Marin, to the great conversation. Thank you so much, Ron. We appreciate Thanks for it. having us, Ron. Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things we were just talking for a brief minute, we were just introduced a few minutes ago and I, I, I've got to re, I got to replay this one point because I was fascinated. I'm sure all of you are too on where the term Arcadia Cognorati came from. Greg, why don't you start off? Tell us about Arcadia Cognorati. Okay, so uh, uh, thanks. Uh, the idea is somebody once asked, uh, uh, "Where did you get your inspiration?" And I said, uh, "We're very old and very Greek." And, and that seemed to sum it up initially, but that didn't really translate well to a, to a, a, a business card. So Arcadia, uh, the mythical land uh, where people sit around and think deep thoughts, where everybody is transparent and everybody is open and, and consciousness is, is uh, uh, evaluated based on your, your output of incredible ideas. Uh, then I said, okay, well, the second part of that is, is how do we get cognition in there? And I thought of words like paparazzi and, and, you know, Illuminati. And I said, well, there isn't really a word that fits. So let's make one up. And Cognorati became those folks in those chairs, the, the people that were sitting around and, and having a fine scotch and smoking a cigar and blowing smoke rings and saying, this is how we dissect really hard problems and come up with uh, uh, long lasting solutions. So everybody, now you know why I tracked them down, because I often talk about my virtual fireplace and a little <laughs> something, something sitting between the chairs. And uh, and I described that to them a couple of minutes ago. And Brian said, make sure mine's bourbon. I <laughs> exactly. I, I did. I'm more of a bourbon than a guy yeah, than a scotch guy. But I'll tell you, but there there is no wrong way to consume alcohol. So just just different preferences for different people, I guess. Well, it's it's interesting is uh, uh, humans of wisdom seem to always have a glass of wine or something, something sitting there next to it, right? Yep. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, you know what? You got to cleanse the palate because you're burning calories when you're when you're thinking uh, with the you know what we like to refer to as the most important six inches on any battle space or boardroom is between your ears, and so you're cranking out a bunch of calories, right? And so you got to replenish those calories, and you got to sort of lubricate those ideas sometimes. And alcohol certainly helps. Now, uh, mo most people. I'm, I'm a little odd, guys, so stick with me. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to dig in 
Um, first of all, I just want to, this will be in the description of our podcast too, but Greg, I got to tell you, if this one's left out, you need to claim it here. Why would General Mad Dog Mattis call you a national treasure? Wow, that's amazing. First of all, you show an incredible uh, uh, testicular fortitude for calling him Mad Dog. Because if you knew him and you ever said Mad Dog with an earshot, there'd be a fight on. The warrior monk, he, he will put up with that. But he's never called himself Mad Dog. That's, that's Marines on the ground that, that made that crap up that have never met him. He's a genius. You, you want to know a stoic? Mattis is a stoic because he sits around thinking deep thoughts and he's got more libraries and uh, in, in books than he's got bullets. And so the idea is we sat down and he said uh, something that I heard a very intelligent man named Ron Worman say just a little while ago. He said, hey, I saw the word uh, pedagogy on your website. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, couched between uh, andragogy and, and hegemony. And, and people go, why? Well, you know, andragogy is leading men. Uh, leading men, and, and when I may say man, I mean mankind, leading men uh, into the next generation with thought, being a thought leader, saying, follow me, follow this education. And, and pedagogy literally means leading children. And what we were doing back then by developing the Combat Hunter program was saying, we have to lead our best, most vital resource, our children battle, where many of them are going to die because we feel strongly about whatever it is that's going on. And so Madison, Madison had me a hello. And, and when we sat down and we talked about it, that there was going to be no door booting and car ramming and shooting in any of this 21 day pre-deployment training, it was all going to be thinking deep thoughts and solving problems. Uh, uh, he said, you know, Greg, you got to understand folks, this is Greg Williams, the national treasure. I'm embarrassed by it. I'm humbled by it, but, but coming from him in that context is what makes it so meaningful to me. Well, first of all, I thank you very much for correcting me. I'm a victim of the press. Uh, <laughs> that, that, Are we that, all? Where I originally consumed that term and replayed it here in the great conversation. <laughs> I have never seen the term in the press of warrior monk. Right. And you brought two things together there. Warrior monk that are conceivably... Um, quite frankly, totally contradictory in terms. Yeah. So, so uh, hold that thought for five seconds yeah. and take a look at your screen and look at Brian Marin. <laughs> There's your contradictory in terms. Uh, a steely-eyed, long-distance surgical gunfire specialist that has killed more people than uh, Union Carbide, pardon the pun. And in this context, he's smart and he's caring and he's loving and his entire goal in his life has been not to pull the trigger. That's what people don't understand. Uh, 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 de-escalation doesn't start in combat. De-escalation starts well before you're, you're tested and put into that situation. So, so Mattis, uh, uh, and, and trust me, many other generals, uh, uh, we lost Odierno uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and General Odierno was another warrior monk. He was a thinker. He, he was a plan developer. Uh, Colin Powell, another one. Another one that was just a genius when it came to sitting down and thinking things through rather than just putting a you know uh, finger on the fire button. So one of the things I was impressed about when I was studying YouTube, and I said, this is a great pivot point, this warrior monk definition, is you were students of behavior. Um, and we can get into the term you use, I love. I, I want to get into the acronym HBP. 
PRA in a few minutes, but I don't want it to cloud this issue of students of human behavior. Uh, and you use that, you apply this, because you can apply that in many different ways. You apply this to uh, the left of bang, at bang, and right of bang uh, issues that confront risk resilient security professionals, whether they're in the military, law enforcement, commercial enterprise, schools, and so forth. You, you help them understand what's going on that leads to that behavior. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, absolutely. And Brian, if I can just jump in yeah. one more time before I uh, cut Brian loose, is uh, what you're describing, Ron, and what I think everybody needs to take a minute and look up on their own, yellow pattern, as I call it, is that we're talking about first diagnostic, then we're talking about pro prognostic, and that leads to predictive. So diagnostic, we have to take a look at you holistically and see where the seams and the gaps are. Then what we have to do is we have to prognosticate, we have to think forward and say, what uh, uh, which of those cognitively uh, uh, are, are tasks uh, and have a cognitive task analysis of which order we have to address those situations in to make you better, faster, stronger, harder to kill. And then all of a sudden with that, the training creates now a predictive mindset. So, so now you see problems before they're fully formed. And, and that's where the real danger and opportunity is. And, and that's what we're talking about, predictive analysis to see danger before it occurs or to see opportunity before it goes away. And that's what humans generally are not very good at. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. And, and to, to, you know, really understand the, the student mindset that you talk about, even, you know, when, when we, when we apply this stuff, when we're teaching and training this stuff, you know, I, I will be the first one to say, you know, when we walk into a Navy SEAL team, I sit there and go, you know what, I'm going to teach you a bunch of stuff you, you already know. It just no one ever explained it to you. So they're kind of interested, right? Like, what is that supposed to mean? And I'm a student of human behavior. Now, now, Ron, maybe I've been studying this methodology and this uh, way of doing things uh, and the, in this domain for longer than you. Um, but, you know, you hear these like, you know, kind of almost cliche terms like, no, the you as a teacher, you you learn more from the students and they learn from you. That That's true. When every course we go to, what I tell our students uh, or people we're consulting with, every story they share imprints itself on the DNA of our program. So, Ron, you're going to share a story with me that I'm going to go, wow, I've never seen things that way before. This is how I would describe that. And then two weeks later, I'm going to be teaching another course and go, so I met this guy, Ron, and this is what he explained to me, what meant here. And I had no idea what that was meant. So that's, you're now part of the program. So everyone who goes through imprints their DNA because you, it's about creating file folders, right? I only have so many uses for, for a hammer. A hammer is built to pound a nail into a board, but you can use a hammer for a whole bunch of other things, right? But if I don't know that, I never see it that way. And, and what Greg was talking about with the danger and opportunity, it's the same thing, right? So from, from a risk or threat perspective, well, there's certain, only certain areas where that are danger areas that someone could uh, uh, victimize me at, right? But you know, from your experience in your life, Ron, there's only so many opportunities in a marketplace. There's only so many inflection points where you can leverage something and attack at that point. And if you don't hit it right, it goes away. So, so it's literally to us the same thing. So we take this big picture view and use big buckets to categorize information. And because it makes, it makes it easier for me to use that information versus going, well, he's a 
a male that's 27 years old with this background and this religion. It's like, okay, that I don't need all that, right? It's what are we talking about here? What's big picture? And, and this is exactly what we're getting into right now. How do you be a student at life and of, of human behavior? So funny, a, a couple of things come to mind here. And uh, the first one is, is there's a lot of competent people out there that are unconscious why they are. That's true. Absolutely. And the only way you can practice the art of pedagogy, again, the art of teaching, is to become conscious so that you can teach others. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. yeah so we, so we, add that to a martial arts uh, uh, example. Uh, I learned more. Uh, I've got three degrees, and all of them are advanced black belt degrees in three completely different forms of martial arts. And I learned the most when I took off the black belt and put back on the white belt. And when I was in the room with the white belts and we were hitting shins and making mistakes and I had to duct tape my hands because I broke my fingers, I learned more there. And, and so when you're talking about uh, uh, what you do with a great conversation and when you have the executive forms, there's a certain recipe that all executives, all geniuses share but we don't think it's the right one that we put out to the rest of the world. And when we sit around in a room with that bourbon or, uh, you know, smoke and crack, whatever it is that you do to, to unwind, <laughs> right? The, the idea is that all of a sudden we learn that other person's story and we go, oh my gosh, their makeup's just like mine. You know, that, uh, 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 not a fan of Ben and Jerry, uh, uh, clearly I'm, I'm, I'm uh, horizontally challenged because of that kind of uh, uh, food on the market. But you know, when Ben and Jerry came on the market, they said, we're going to master vanilla. The reason you got to master vanilla is if you don't think with the eyes and the heart of a white belt, you're going to miss all of those wonderful opportunities that are laid out in front of you. You're never going to master double chocolate. Well, what I love about that analogy, Greg, is um, you've definitely mastered vanilla. That is, you've taken a generic statement, students of human behavior, you've broken it down into a methodology, you've, right. uh, you've created a delivery system, which is your pedagogy, and and, and all of that is constantly evolving, as Brian said, based on your experiential um, uh, gigs that you are doing throughout the United States and the world. That's uh, true. So, so, that, 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 so in a sense, the delivery mechanism actually creates, if you're aware, and you guys are, becomes a Petri dish for stimulating new ideas and improved ideas around this, this pattern recognition system you've developed. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll let Brian, if it's okay, d define what human behavior pattern recognition analysis is because he does a great job at it. But I, I want to go back to the Greeks for just a minute and say the Greeks came up with the idea that if you could take one concept and you could make it into three things, okay, three was the magic number. Three creates a pattern. So I looked at that and I said, okay, human behavior pattern recognition. The first step of this art is I have to recognize the pattern. Then the analysis will take me to the next logical choice, which is, you know, the cognitive task analysis, fixing what's broken. Now that may be internal or that may be external. That may need a laser or it may need a flashlight. But I just want to be sure that, that again, like Brian said, these were great ideas that have been around forever. And what it is, is, is capitalizing on, on a strategy. So, so uh, Brian, if you give your example of HPPRNA, I think it just goes right to ground yeah, if, if it would be okay. Yeah, and, and that's why we call this human behavior pattern recognition and analysis, which is a scientific term for something you've been doing your entire life, right? So if I think back to when I was a little kid, um, you know, I knew you, everyone listening, you know, just close your eyes, you know, unless you're driving or something, but think back to when you were a little kid and, and your mom or dad or 
whoever raised you walked in the room, right? Aunt, uncle, neighbor down the street, whoever it was, whoever raised you, you knew before they ever said a word, whether they're happy, whether they're sad, whether they're angry in my case. And, you know, I have to go run and hide because my mom is about to give me a whooping for something, right? That's the essence of human behavior pattern recognition. We don't uh, get a lot of training in education and is the analysis because we rely on these different intuitive, what we feel is intuitive decisions based on, on our, our experiences in life and, and based on very, very primal uh, biological and physiological urges, right? That, that control us, right? So we think that's the best way to do it. But if I don't have a good framework in there, I'm, I'm more likely to jump to unreasonable conclusions. I, I'm Absolutely. not going to see those opportunities or those dangers, those threats, right? And, and that's normal. So what Greg did was took all of the science and put it into that framework. Here's HBPRNA. This is a framework to use because what does everyone want? Everyone wants the answer, right? Give me the 10 things I need to do. Well, that doesn't exist. Otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? And, but this is how I arrive at a reasonable conclusion that I can make a decision on, that I can act on. And, and that's, there's a whole, it's a lot in there to get to that stage, but but if I base it in both what I know from my own life and all these great scientific principles that have been proven time and time again, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to be right far more times than I'm going to be wrong, and and that's that's winning, True. right? That's that's the essence of winning. So uh, based on uh, based on the results of your engagements, what are the outcomes? that you're most proud of? That's, that's such a, a, a loaded question, but it's a perfect question. And, and I would say that when you take a look at the, the process, I would rather you show your work and me look inside your skull and know that you're thinking the right way than giving me the correct answer. And, and uh, uh, the precedent has been set because that's how our constitution has been written. That's how our, our rules of law and order have been written. And that's how the Supreme Court decides cases. So with us, it's is the end state, because it may not be what you thought it was when we got there, but is the end state better than when you started? And does it uh, 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 form a strategy going forward that's sustainable? So so the idea was when they came to, to my secret location in Colorado. And they said, Hey, you still doing that brain training? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? And they said, we got a whole bunch of Marines that are dying in combat and we've got the best guns. We've got the best tools in the world. We've got the best delivery system for all of this stuff and something's still wrong. I was honored and humbled to go in and say, well, maybe it's the human element that's missing because this is a human to human communication error. It's not a problem with your guns or your bombs or any of those other things. So, so they said, so you're a communication scientist. Yeah, for this problem, I am. Now, the, now the Army had a very simple uh, uh, problem as well. And so Combat Hunter wasn't the right fix for, for the Army. ASAT, Advanced Situational Awareness Training was. And then, you know what? Suicide prevention. Hey, these are all very close uh, uh, skills, but each one of them takes a different part. So, so to answer directly what you said, I'm glad, and I'm so humble, but I'm going to say it anyway, I'm glad that I've saved 10,000 lives, uh, uh, or many more probably, of people that I've never met. And, and, and not because it's me, not because it's my program, because I was swinging 16 ounce gloves in a dark warehouse and I hit upon a couple of concepts when they mixed together, made flubber and, and flubber works. So, so this methodology when applied to any hard problem works. And, and I was just lucky enough to be there when it happened. Brian. Yeah. Um, I would, I would sum up my answer is, is what Greg kind of alluded to 
there at the end. Um, we get emails and phone calls from people that uh, is the most amazing stories you've ever heard and said, hey, because I went through this course, um, we saw an ambush before it happened and we didn't step on that IED. We didn't get killed. Uh, we determined this person was the important person to capture and, and therefore the rest of the link of this chain, this attack that was going to happen and kill a lot of people didn't occur. And, and it's not just about that. You know, I had a, a Lieutenant Colonel in the army walk up to me after a five day course and say, Brian, I, this is great for combat. We're going to use this every single day. He's like, I have a better understanding of how to communicate with my children now from being through this training. And like, I'm like tearing up right now, thinking about it. You know what I mean? And, and that, when that hits you, I mean, holy crap, what a, what a, what a paycheck. I, I mean, I don't know how it, to describing that feeling. It feels brushes back to me right now. And it's just so amazing. So those of you listening, I hope you're gathering. I hope you can extract because it's not necessarily simple. It's not a direct uh, <laughs> cognitive epiphany, mm -hmm. uh, but what these guys do can be applied to business as well. Now, let, let me step back and, and tell you what I mean. You brought up your kids, Brian, uh, somebody's kids the other day, uh, the other uh, minute. And I was thinking to myself, I drive in as a 16 year old with my old car onto the driveway and, and, um, and my dad uh, comes in and goes, you're gonna have to park on the street. And I go, why is that dad? He goes, cause there's an oil slick on my driveway. He, he goes, you're gonna have to do something about that before you can park in the driveway again. So that's Greg's first stage. That's the diagnostic. Now we, you got to determine the root cause of that diagnosis. You have to understand the task behind the re resolution of that. You have to go through all those things. And that's just a darn kid driving an old car. But yes. business has oil leaks. Mm -hmm. And it's all rooted in human behavior. And so while I was studying you and your website and your program and your methodology, and as I've been listening to you today, I got to tell you, if you put business people through your course and it wasn't necessarily just saving them from an IED that they're not going to step on in LA, I think they're going to come out better business people. What do you think? We, well, I, 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 Brian, I, I'll, I'll let you answer. Brian's the thinker of the group. And let me just give you a big, <laughs> big uh, arm motions here. So uh, uh, your, I was hung, hanging on every word of your description because I had uh, anticipated it was the oil in the driveway parking the street. I was already thinking about that as you were talking about, because I'm a, a student of human behavior and I, I use storytelling to get a point across. So what you were talking about is typical uh, uh, battlefield to boardroom. The idea is the synergy. The sun doesn't understand the realm of the possible in the future. That's the prognostic. So you, as the the father or the CEO, uh, uh, he or she that's running that company, the first thing that you want to do is you want to apply the, the biggest hammer that you can find to the problem. We got to get son a new car. We don't even think about all the implications that go with the new car and the insurance and training him. And what if he gets a scratch and all those other things? And I'll give you a perfect example that Brian and I were just talking before we went on your show. Uh, we're writing a, 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 some work for a textbook for Liberty University. And I came upon the, one of my memories. 2015, we're in uh, Sangin, uh, which is in Helmand province in the middle of nowhere. 
Afghanistan, and uh, two people that were a sniper team called the Sangin Snipers were shooting people like it was free and scared everybody. So the response from the business, from the company, which is U.S. and coalition forces, was we're going to solve that. And what they did is they put surveillance out and solved it with a JDAM. Well, a JDAM is a type of munition that costs a couple of million dollars every time you pull the trigger. So they vaporized these two snipers on the battle space and solved their problem. Was it efficient? Well, they got the job done. Well, wait a minute. What's our metric? What's our metric for success going forward? So the idea is that I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you, but the problem exists, and, and, and I'll turn it right over to Brian. The problem exists that there's a CEO sitting out there and going, ah, it's a sniper and a former cop that was in combat, and these two guys, well, you know what? I saw the simulator, and I'm in Anchorage, and they're showing palm trees. There are no palm trees in Anchorage. I fight every day to want to reach through the computer screen and shake them until they understand that science is science and math is math. And I don't have to learn the German laws of gravity, you know? So, so, so that's my, that's my big stone that I'm, I'm pushing. Brian, does that make sense? No, it does. And, and we do work with uh, private companies and then senior advising stuff at, especially at the federal level. And, and Greg is, is highlighting an issue we consistently see with, with private businesses and we've had difficulty with before. It's seeing that big picture. And, you know, at first glance, so, so Ron, you, you cracked the code on what we were about by going to our website. That is, you are the first person who has ever done that um, because you're a thinker and you wanted to really get in and see what we meant. You know, it, you got to look beyond the words on the screen, right? The, the scenario you're going through with your employees doesn't have to relate directly and specifically to their job. It has to have outcomes that you're trying to achieve. Humans are smart enough to then take those outcomes, have the light bulb come on and go, oh, I see. I can apply that here. If I get you to do that, then you then learning has occurred. Because if I teach you all day long and I only keep you in the window of what you know and what your job is, well, you didn't really learn a whole lot. Maybe you got a little bit more efficient. But if I teach you a model that you can use anywhere and then you go, oh, wait a minute, I see how I can use this to make me better at my role here. Yeah. Well, I don't have to teach you that then. You already did. Your brain will make the connection. And we forget that sometimes because we're so laser focused on the mission and what's at hand. And this is what we have to do. We don't take that tactical patience and step back and go, what are we really trying to achieve here? Let's not put, put a, an individual line item. Let's just put it into a group of things or a category of things or, or some skills that we're trying to develop. Right. And, and those skill development is what we focus on because we do training, not education. Our, our point is you walk out of our training with a new skill set that you can then immediately start using in any situation. It's not a way of only thinking, it's not a way of only learning, it's not a way of only execution, it's a way of walking and seeing in this world. This has been a great conversation with the founder and senior vice president of Arcadia Cognarati. Thank you, gentlemen.